0: Hey, if you're an investor and you struggle with wasting time and money by choosing the wrong stocks, then you need to get my latest ebook called Wall Street Secret Weapon. It'll set you up to take the shortcut to financial independence. Just go to WallStreetSecretWeapon.com, download the free ebook today, and then take the free masterclass. You have literally nothing to lose and the shortcut to financial independence to gain. So go to WallStreetSecretWeapon.com, download your free ebook, and take the masterclass starting right now. Hey there, 10-Minute Traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Today, we have a special guest on the line, Peter Hanks. And Peter and I are going to be discussing several uh, macroeconomic factors out there, including trade wars, earnings, FANG, gold and the dollar. This is going to be a, a broad, uh, all-encompassing conversation. So, Peter, I am excited to have you on today. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast, brought to you by 10 we give you the tools, tips and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance by Redwood Media Group, founder and head trader of timinvestor.com, Christopher Ewell.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here.
0: Oh, man, the uh, the pleasure is all mine. I I really really am grateful for the fact that I can connect with uh, with people like you and and the other guests that I have on the podcast and 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 selfishly learn from you guys much more than, <laughs> than uh, you guys are giving for me. So I appreciate that more than anything. I know the audience does as well. So, Peter, if you don't mind, uh, you know, could you give the audience a little bit of uh, your background, who you are, where you come from, and, and uh, some of your expertise there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm an analyst for dailyfx.com, which is a website that tracks everything in the currency market. So uh, monetary policy first and foremost. We also dive into gold and equities. I'm an equity-focused analyst. I've been trading since I was a teenager. So I really keep tabs on how all these major themes are impacting the major indices. Um, I don't go too deep into specific stocks, but the larger trends over time, recession fears, trade war changes, I really look at that and try to get a pulse of what that's doing to the overall market.
0: Perfect. So that's what Peter and I were discussing earlier on was, uh, you know, his his idea that maybe we could talk about some of the, the trade war implications on what's going on, because I don't know about you, Peter, but I keep seeing all this news about, you know, we're going to have a deal next week and then nah, we're going to have more tariffs next week. That's what we're going to have. Yeah. But I tell you what, I am. I am just as confused and concerned as any of uh, the audience members out there. So. So help us out, Peter. Tell us really what's going on. What should we care about? Really, what what, what
1: matters at this stage, right? Mm-hmm. So like you said, it is just kind of this, we've almost gotten into this cyclical uh, sort of, well, trade talks are going well. We're moving towards a deal. Everything's looking good. Both sides have, uh, you know, a willingness or an urgency to get this done. And then, A little bit down the line, maybe a week or two weeks later, it deteriorates, and we're hearing stories of, well, the two sides can't really agree to meet. Um, And personally, if you can't even agree where you're going to meet to talk about something, that doesn't really speak to a lot of agreement between the two parties. So with that, then it goes into, okay, talks are off the table for now. We've reached an impasse. We're not going any further. So we've seen this happen time and time again. Most recently this morning, President Trump came out and said, well, the U.S. and China actually have not agreed to roll back any tariffs in a phase one deal. That kind of refuted some earlier statements from um, journalists and also some U.S. and Chinese officials. So that seems to be where we're at now. I think the really important thing to keep in mind and really to stay focused on as these trade talks continue is that in the past china has said they're not willing to concede until the next election they're pretty content to play the long game and they really have that to their advantage because if a new president takes up the mantle from president trump um the policy towards china could shift completely so i think with them having said that in the past all this stuff in between is just kind of Noise and I'm not. I'm really quite cynical on a deal getting done. Hmm. Yeah, I
0: can see where you're coming from there. Okay, so in the back of my mind, this is always, always uh, back there. Like, like what what kind of trade were we're gonna have? What kind of trade deal are we gonna get? Right? We've been talking about this trade deal since like the day Trump took office, and I mm-hmm. didn't even hear about the. Uh, they'll they'll wait until the next election because. China moves in dynasties, right? They they don't really care what one person's opinion is or or anything like that over a short term. When they're like, look, man, we got we got 107 years of this uh, regime before we're moving out. So, huh. yeah, Interesting. So so with that being said, would the audience members out there would they even just kind of disregard any any more trade talk speculation or should? Should this be something that they continue to just lightly monitor because there's there seems to be like like a stalemate at this point.
1: Yeah, so I think traders should definitely keep tabs on the talks and see how it's impacting the major indices day to day, but I wouldn't bet the farm on um, anyone claiming a breakthrough in discussions. We've seen time and time again that these breakthroughs have really not resulted in anything material. So until something fundamental changes, I don't see any reason to believe that the next person that gets up and says a trade deal is in the works is the one to call it. That being said, we have seen some material impact on stocks already, specific stocks like some semiconductors, perhaps Micron, for instance, um, that have a large exposure to China. And Micron's just a single example. But there are many stocks out there that have a lot of their revenue derived from China. So even as these talks fluctuate from positive to negative, I still think it's important to maybe veer away from those uh, in the shorter to medium term.
0: Okay. So so on the next presidency, if it isn't Trump, if it's someone else... Um, yeah really what what benefit would there be to to uh, to them right now trying to, to hunt down this trade deal since we are so close to an election I mean at this point is it just like oh you know what let's let's just uh, put this thing on hold right we're gonna we're about to go campaigning for a while why don't you guys mm-hmm. in China just hang tight we'll come back to you in a couple months if that's all right with you guys right like yeah. is there really any any potentiality
1: of this pressing forward that's it's really tough to gauge, and I think it depends on who um, appears as a front runner to run against Trump or run against him from his own party. Um, people have said, President Trump himself has alluded to it that signing a deal would really help out some of his base, um, the farmers, and potentially signing a deal in Iowa was floated out there. Um, I think that's since been shot down by the Chinese, but there is some urgency or something to gain from President Trump's side if he does, you know, get some sort of deal. It's just a matter of what that deal would really look like. As it stands now, a lot of uh, financial analysts and talking heads have said that it, it kind of looks like it would just be something like we already had in 2017. So it becomes a question of, Is that going to get signed in, however unlikely, and if it does get signed in, how much are people really going to buy into that for the longer term, and is it going to have bipartisan support? Um, We've seen USCMA, that has reached a conclusion, and now it's just sitting in Washington waiting to be signed, although it has bipartisan support. So it kind of comes back to Washington and just the gridlock that can sometimes happen there. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well said. Okay, so shifting gears a little bit. Looking out,
1: uh, you mentioned earlier
0: about earnings season, right? We're we're more than halfway through at this point, aren't we? What oh, what do we have yeah. left on the table that uh, that's piquing your interest there, Peter?
1: Really, not too much. I hate to, <laughs> I hate to shoot down the question, but. Uh, I think- <laughs> I think from a market cap perspective, uh, around 94 to 95% of the S&P 500 has already reported. We had Disney uh, just yesterday evening. They came out and beat and provided some insight on the streaming wars and all that uh, stuff that has influence on Netflix, Amazon, and Apple. Um, But down the line, it's really starting to taper off, and that's when it becomes important to look at the season. As a whole and kind of take the temperature of how it went compared to analyst expectations what the general attitude on the street is and how that looks going forward and i think it's been regarded as a pretty positive earnings season there have been a lot of headwinds the trade wars most notably um kind of compounding the global growth fears and recession fears so with those kind of pushing back against stocks during this time performances that we got from some of the larger players i think we're pretty optimistic
0: Mm, okay well said you know in fact on that disney streaming service i uh
1: i'm actually really interested in this right
0: i uh, i'm a family man i've got two little boys and i uh i definitely uh pay for the mouse to uh you know take care of his family because i You know, we go to Disneyland this year. We went to Disneyland and then last year we went to Disney World. Then on top of that, you know, I'm buying all the toys and I'm buying uh, every single movie that comes out. You know, we have to buy and it's like, oh, my gosh, actually, I'm looking forward to the streaming service because it'll be a reprieve for my wallet. So rather than spending 20, 40, 60 dollars a month on buying new videos, hey, I can only spend seven. This is going to be great. So I think a lot of consumers are probably going to get behind that. And I think it could become a very big juggerna- juggernaut quickly.
1: Yeah, I uh, I completely agree. And I've heard similar statements from other people saying with this streaming service, that's 6.99 a month. They can just kind of, instead of going up to the TV set and changing the DVDs or navigating through it on Netflix, they can just set their kid down there and have them watch Frozen on repeat. Um, and I think it really will get picked up quite quickly by a lot of people, and they're also incentivizing it with um, some other partners to get a year free or a couple months free just to get them in the door and to let those people see what they have to offer.
0: Yeah, I don't think there really is any single content provider that can come to the table with such monumental libraries behind them and also, also the demand, right? Because like, there's so many people who are like, oh, what's going to come out of the the Disney Vault this year, or that year, and you know, everything you want is just right there at your fingertips. And man, I, I, like I say, I'll be one of the first customers. That's 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 for sure. So I think oh. that Netflix really has a has a contender to work to worry about. I mean, Hulu. So I'm a cord cutter, right? I cut the cord several years ago at this point and we have the netflix we have the hulu we have the amazon prime um i think that's it that we have for now we used to pay you know well over 120 dollars a month for a dish network and we'd only watch like six mm-hmm. channels and now we we spend i don't know a third of that on on these providers yeah i think uh the the dish networks the Directv tv at&t relationships uh i think I think they got some major problems now that Disney, you know, is is rolling into town as well. Well, not yeah. that not that that's a surprise, but yeah, I I definitely would be betting against Dish Network versus um, for Dish Network.
1: Oh, me too. And I'm right there with you. I'm going to be an early adopter of Disney Plus. Um, as a big Star Wars fan, I'm excited for the Mandalorian. Oh no!
0: Oh no! You didn't say it. <laughs> I am so looking forward to this. Uh, what do they call them, Maldoran? Uh, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian, yeah. I, I also am looking forward to that. We we have yeah. that in common.
1: So I'll be there day one. And um, to your point about cutting the cord, it's it's almost kind of going full circle. Um, you listed off all of the services you have. I have all of those and HBO, and then you add in Spotify and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the monthly $7 here, $12 there, $14 there is starting to add up, and it's kind of uh, it's kind of funny how things happen like that, but it, it'll be interesting to see down the line if there is any company out there that looks to bundle all this together. Um, I don't know who that would be, though.
0: You know, I heard on the internets, uh, somebody had this really great idea. They were like, how about one service? that gets all of your other services together in one place. And then you just pay one bill and you can manage <laughs> all those services in one place. And I was like, you know what? That's not a crazy idea. Not, <laughs> so you not. get all, all of your monthly subscriptions, like you were just mentioning, but you only go to one page and and deal with it versus, uh, you know, $7 here, $8 there kind of deal. Yeah. I didn't think that was a crazy idea, uh, but oh, I think that's... you'd have a hard time convincing people to pay for that, that one service. I don't know. Yeah. You know what? It'll probably end up being Dish Network version two, is what it would be. <laughs> Dish two. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so talk to me about the gold and the dollar. I know, I know personally because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm long utilities and real estate right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, uh, that's not a great trade to be in. And gold is also, uh, tagging along with those down. So talk to me about that. What's, what's going on out there that I missed?
1: Yeah, so gold's in an interesting spot. If you look at it uh, over the last month or two, you'll see that it's down a little bit. But in the year to date, it's treading around a 14% gain, 15% gain. Oh. And I think a lot of that goes back to trade wars, which we've already touched on, just some uncertainty there. So maybe people are looking for a, a little bit of a safer investment. Um, but also the impact of global monetary policy, all these central banks are lowering rates, injecting money into their economies. All that stuff in the long run might cause the inflation outlook to tick a little bit higher. And I think one of the core benefits of gold is being a hedge against inflation. Um, So that's maybe where some of the tailwind for that commodity is coming from.
0: So do you actually think gold as itself is a unit of of a hedge Or do you feel, because this is the thought that I've been having, that people look to it because it's been known to be a hedge, right? Like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy Mm -hmm. in that way.
1: Yeah, I think I definitely agree. There is some aspect of because people think it possesses those properties, they're going to go for it for those properties, and then Mm -hmm. it just reinforces it. Kind of like um, yield curve inversions and investors agreeing that once the yield curve inverts, there's a recession. Well, if everyone thinks that and they see the yield curve invert, maybe they're just going to preemptively pull out their money, even if there's nothing to worry about. Um, so I definitely agree. There is some degree of a self-fulfilling prophecy there.
0: Hmm. Yeah, well said. Okay. Well, Patrick, that was, uh, that was everything we had covered on the list here. What else is on your mind? Or Peter, I'm sorry, not Patrick.
1: <laughs> uh, I think another aspect to look at for the global economy is and really the U.S. economy more specifically, is this upcoming holiday season. Um, Global growth, as I've mentioned, has been a little bit of a concern. That might be an understatement, in fact. Um, And now we're getting further concerns on the state of the U.S. consumer with these trade wars. So whatever the end up or whatever the final increase in cost may be when you go to the store this holiday season from those tariffs, is that shows a material impact on holiday spending um, reflected in amazon's earnings or walmart hasbro companies like that that could really i think ignite the deeper fears uh that this trade war we're stuck in could turn into something more dangerous and more grave
0: huh okay well yeah that'll be something to watch i mean uh in my opinion that there's probably going to be a lot more uh, holiday money floating around out there now that Disney Plus is here, saving me fifty six dollars a month. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. So so that I guess let's wrap up there, Peter. Uh, I really appreciate the chat. This was this was good. Um, I really appreciate being able to to talk to people like you and 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 hear different perspectives on what's going on out in the marketplace and really fill the audience in because. I, I don't claim to know anything. Um I just kind of get a chance to uh, to talk to other people that are smart and then you know hand that out to the audience. So I appreciate the fact that that you're able to come on and and to share that with uh, with everybody out there. So Peter, thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really uh, appreciate your time.
0: Hey, Peter, where can people reach out to you at? Where's a good social handle and
1: and and your website? So social handle, you can find me on Twitter at peter hanks FX. I tweet about earnings, monetary policy, things like that. And website-wise, you can check out dailyfx.com for all your currency, commodity, equity needs. Um, Fundamental, technical, all those concerns are met there. So that's where you can find me.
0: Perfect. Well, Peter, this has been great. And I hope the audience does uh, go check out Peter at dailyfx.com and also on, on Twitter. And Peter, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been really great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, and thank you guys for tuning in to today's How to Trade Stocks Options Podcast. Hey, before you go real quick, make sure you like, subscribe, enable notifications, and leave a rate and review on iTunes if you don't mind. That way, you never miss any of the tools, tips, and tricks that we upload every single week to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. Hey, did you realize that you could get the secret weapon that every investor needs right now to start changing your financial future for free? Yeah, that's right. Just head on over to triplestockprofits.com and download your free Triple Stock Profit System ebook today. 10 minutestocktradercom content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10 and Christopher Ewell, whose content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investor's and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives 10minutestocktrader.com and Chris you are not licensed financial advisors registered investment advisors or registered broker dealers stocks options futures futures options and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors you alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit 10MinuteStockTrader.com. Well, thanks for stopping by.